Thank you for the invitation to be with you today. I'd come here for the music. <laughs> the soloist I heard practicing and the, and the lady singing. Beautiful, beautiful music. My pleasure to be with you and to bring the Word of God with you. If you have your Bibles with you, you can start by turning to uh, Acts chapter 17. And although you will see it on the screen, I would encourage you to follow in your Bible. Uh, I'm reading the New King James Version today, and that's what will be on the screen. But if you have a different version, you might want to check it out and see what you think about it. So I invite you to do so. The verse, the, the, the title of my message is, is one of my precious, enjoyable sentences in the New Testament. They search the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. It's interesting to observe how various groups of people can hold opposite opinions on so many things. When they do, the differences are often based on their truth source, their world view. You know, how you look at the world, how do you analyze the world, how do you judge the world, and how you operate in this world. That's the world view or the truth source. And, and our opinions are based on that always. I read a book on the U.S. Civil War one time, and I read about the, va the vastly opposite viewpoints that the folks in the North had from those in the South on the issues that divided them. Of course, the folks in the South said, uh, people are property. We own them. People said, no, no, no. We know how that turned out. We don't have people as property anymore, and that's right, isn't it? Vastly different points of view. Today, some would say about <laughs> the U.S. Congress, and is, is, would say it's dysfunctional. Well, why? Well, it's because uh, there's a vast difference in the basic beliefs of each political party in power there, and they're constantly struggling to see who's going to get their way. Maybe it's been this way for 200 years, I don't know, but it certainly is that way today. If you look at uh, the religions of the world, you can compare Christianity with the Muslim faith. I heard that one pastor said, uh, oh, the, the Christians and the Muslim have the same God. No way. They, they, they look at the, their, their, their religion, how it works out all around the world. They're quite peaceful in, in the United States, but uh, you go to the Near East and, and Africa and whatnot, wherever there are Muslims, more. Oh, that's dangerous for your life. You know, it's, it's quite different. Close to home, uh, there's a big difference in our own nation between the values and worldviews of Christians versus secularists or versus uh, humanist. The humanist and secularist view of the world is spreading rapidly through our society. And their view is, there's nothing divine, there's no spiritual, there's no God. If you want to be spiritual, that's okay. But there's no God, there's no miracles, there's no uh, uh, nothing like that we believe as Christians. And so they, they, they base their viewpoints on man's reasoning. We'll make up our own religion. I heard a story one time where said, two fellows were talking, one said, I think I'll start a new religion. The other fellow said, okay, go get yourself crucified and come back to life. <laughs> well, there's a lot of new religions around who think nothing about the religion of the Bible. There are a lot of people around who think nothing 
about it. Uh, the, you know, there are those who look at the Bible and say, oh, that's just a human book. That's all it is. You know, some editors put it together and you can take it or leave it. Uh, and, and so without the Bible as a foundation for our lives, then what do we have? We have a, a man-made uh, society. These differences, of course, are not new. In Jesus' day, the religion of the Jewish people had been corrupted vastly over the centuries preceding his lifetime, and he came to correct and to illumine and to bring to light God's true intentions for mankind. And that's what he preached, that's what he lived, and that's what he expected his disciples to carry on. And, uh, and the, vastly different from the, the beliefs of the religious leaders of the Jewish nation that they had at that time. In fact, uh, they were so different that the Jewish leaders put Jesus to death to get, hush him up. And people tried to get, do the same to Paul, the, the missionary. When the Apostle Paul went about on his missionary journeys, he first went to the worship centers of the Jewish people. Everywhere he went, the synagogues, and they let him preach. They didn't have a set uh, system that says you know, only, only no, no outsiders can come in and preach. But, but they would invite often people who came from a distance and tell us, tell us what you're you know, thinking, what you're believing. And so they had opportunity to do that. Even that's the way Jesus went about synagogues and did the same thing. But uh, when, Paul, when Paul went about the, the world and preached, uh, he, he talked about the Lord Jesus Christ, that he was the Messiah, and that uh, he, and he condemned the wicked ways of the world. He also said that Jesus was God's appointed Savior that was predicted centuries ago. They all, all the Jewish people knew that this Messiah, the Savior, would come, but just who would he be and when would he show up? Well, Paul and, and the other followers of Jesus said, oh, he's been here. He's, he's already gone back to heaven. His name is Jesus. He's from Nazareth. But many of the religious leaders of this day resisted and resented that message. They didn't believe it. They wanted to silence Paul, too. In one notable instance, in one city and synagogue, on Paul's journeys, the people were open to Paul's message. And we were and were willing to consider it. Let's look at that event today, as it found here in Acts chapter 17, and um, see what it has to say to us today. For we must decide, as they had to decide back then, whether to fully accept, or reject, or resent, or resist the message of Jesus, or or not. And because, of course, it convicts us of our sin and hypocrisy, and that's not very comfortable, is it? All right, now I'll read from uh, Acts chapter 17, verses 1 to 9. After these things, Jesus went... No, no, pardon me, I'm in the wrong book. <laughs> Let me get over to Acts. Uh, just a moment here. Acts 17. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the synagogue, from the scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that Christ, the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, and saying, This Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. It's him. He's here. He's been here. And some of them were persuaded. 
a great multitude of the devout Greeks, the Gentiles, and, and not a few of the leading women joined Paul and Silas. But the Jews who were not persuaded, becoming envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace and gathering a mob, sounds like society today, doesn't it? Gathering a mob, set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason, where they'd been staying, and sought to bring them out to the people. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, those who have turned, those who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Jason has harbored them, and these are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying there's another king, another king, Jesus. And they troubled the crowd and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. So when they had taken security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. Well, <laughs> not a very good situation, was it? They, uh, his, his church was shut down after three weeks. <laughs> but they had some disciples in those three weeks. And, and they stuck it out. And he, of course, wrote letters back and forth and, and, and visited him from time to time much later in his travels. And that church survived. Well, here's the good news. Chapter 17, verses 10 to 14. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away. These were the two missionaries by night to Berea, a town not too far down the seacoast from where they were. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. And we suppose they had to wait for the Sabbath, which was Saturday. And we also suppose that they, they had the opportunity to witness there for th three weeks or so, so that they could hear the message and respond to the message as they did in other places. Verse 11 says here in Berea, these were more noble or fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness, soaked it up. Wouldn't you like to be a school teacher today and you had a classroom full of students who were just soaking it up, what you had to offer? Or if you were one of these who's going around talking to your neighbors, inviting them to your church, they would say, Oh, tell me about it. How do I get there? When do I show up, you know? Soaking it up. Well, these folks soaked it up. They, they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Now, we have to pause and think now. They didn't all have individual Bibles. They only had the Old Testament, which was in them, scrolls and in, the, in the synagogue, care of the synagogue. And, and the keeper, the, the, whoever was in charge of the synagogue, uh, would protect them and, and bring them out when needed on the Sabbath day and otherwise. But here it says they got together apparently at the synagogue, had the, 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 the headmaster bring out the roll, the scrolls, and they began to look. Now, Paul, Paul said this about Isaiah. Paul said this about Jeremiah. Paul said this about Moses. Let's go and find it and read it and, and put it all together and see if what he has to say is so. Wow. They were, that, that was a wonderful blessing. A wonderful blessing. You, if you read about the stories of missionaries, sometimes that's what happens in the missionary field. You go and preach in, in a city that's not had the word of God or a town or a village or just a byway in the mountains somewhere. 
And, and so oftentimes they will just receive the word of God and soak it up and say, tell us more. Come back soon and, and, and tell us more. That's why I love this in verse 11. They searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed, and also not a few of the Greeks, prominent women as well as men. Uh-oh. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was preached by Paul at Berea, they came there to Berea also and stirred up the crowds. Then immediately the brethren sent Paul away to go to the sea. But Silas and Timothy remained there. When we read the Bible, how do we approach it? When we read the Bible. Because, you know, that's the only place we get the basis of our faith. Our worldview is based on a book. And we all have copies in our hands or at home, in our pews perhaps, pew racks. And uh, that's where the, the Christian faith starts from. And, and it has been passed on verbally by each generation to our own generation. So you have people who do children's church, Sunday school classes, preachers from preaching it. The word is not only preached and taught, but it's accurately taught, we trust, by, by basing it on the scriptures. And that's all we have to go on. So what do we do with the Bible? Do we search the scriptures for our own sake? For our own use? Or is it, yeah, well, just to do, yeah, I'll just check off that I've done it today. And maybe, oh, I didn't get, get it done yesterday. And I used to have a problem keeping up with my Bible reading. I had a goal of reading it every day. And, and, and I kept a page. And, and, I, and at the bottom, I told it up for the month. And I thought, uh-oh, 14, 15, 16 days a month, that's not good. So I set my mind to read it every day. And that's duty, yes, but it's a joy as well. And now I'm up to, you know, 29 and 30 days a month. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled by what I'm reading. And uh, all of us should be. Well, what is it? Bible reading, is it an option? Is it something you just know you should do but don't? Put it off for a while. Maybe read a few passages and, and you just pick in those few passages without a reference. You know, I go to these... Uh, Stores that sell um, antique-ish type stuff. Uh, what is it called? I forget the word. Uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the things that look good because they're old. And What? Uh, no, not the antiques. It's, it's the, the little plaques and all. I'm, I'm thinking especially about the plaques and they have scripture verses on it or a portion of it, you know. And, and we may buy that and put it on our dresser or on our wall. And, and that's good. But... We can't live just by the quotes. We need to live by the whole word of God. So we, we have to study it. Nor can we interpret the Bible according to our own sometimes worldly values, nor according to convenience. Sometimes we think that, well, we, know, we don't have to admit it to ourselves, but we think that we know uh, better than God how things should be, how things should be done, what, what I'm to be held to. And sometimes we'll say, oh, well, that's just not reasonable. Nobody does that anymore. That's not fair. You ever feel like that when you read the scriptures? Suppose one day the Holy Spirit got a hold of all of us and stripped away all of our excuses, our rationalizations, our prejudices, our ignorance, our exceptions. Then we would be faced with some difficult choices when that happens. 
when we read the Bible. We're talking in Sunday school class. I enjoyed sitting there. And they, they definitely had their Bibles open and they were studying and I was just thrilled with that. Uh, but we have to make some choices when we read things that God wants to speak to us about. Some things that need to maybe change or, or to, or in our lives. What and who do I believe when I read these things in the Bible? Am I willing to accept the teachings revealed there to me? Am I willing to change my life, my values, my use of time, uh, and how I treat other people? And you could list, you know, a hundred different topics and do the same thing. Years ago, oh, about a hundred years ago, a man wrote a book called What Would Jesus Do? You ever heard of it? In which way back about the 1900s, a pastor in, in some big city like Chicago challenged his congregation for one month, every day, Ask yourselves when you get up in the morning and go through the day, every time you, you look around and decide and speak, ask yourself, what would Jesus do? Well, that book and its contents and its principles were revived about 25 years ago. And it became a real fashionable thing among Christians to, to refer to that book and, and ask that question for ourselves. And, and I was delighted to see that. I went to a Christian bookstore one day, which was run, owned by a pastor, and I saw a, a long printed um, uh, computer printout, on, on, he put it on the wall, full of initial letters of words. And I thought, hmm, what does that mean? And I stood there and I stood there and I thought about it. And finally I figured it out. It says, how do you know what Jesus would do if you don't know what he did? Good idea, good question, wasn't it? And so we need to to set ourselves to know the Word of God for ourselves, that it may keep us in line with God's will and plan for us. When we're confronted by Him through the Bible, the Holy Spirit, and the awful, awful truth about ourselves, our life, and our eternity, one thing that will help us to do is what these people did. Search the Scriptures. There's a lot of speakers on radio and TV and in other maybe Internet speakers you know, claiming to be Christians who, who have some weird ideas. And you ought to be able to sort through those ideas that the Sunday school teacher or somebody in the class was saying, he, he, he picked up a book and, and looked at it and thought, hmm, no, this isn't, supposed to, this isn't supposed to be Scripture, but it didn't. It's something different. It's a paraphrase or whatever he had in his hand. I don't know. Uh, how do we know how to search the Scriptures? I want to deal with that for the rest of the moment. This morning, if I may, I'm running out of time. So we'll have to be really quick. Read it. Read the Bible. Establish the habit of systematically reading it daily. Choose a reading plan that reads the whole Bible through. And study it in depth, the most significant passages. Become familiar with it by using it. I heard about a time that somebody was teaching uh, law people to recognize counterfeit money. They gave him the real stuff. They said, now just feel it. Feel it, feel it, feel it, feel it, feel it, feel it. Keep on feeling it. And so that when you get to the counterfeit stuff, you know the difference. Just without even looking, you know about the feel. Secondly, pray about it. Ask God to open your mind to understand it and apply it. It's like a love letter from God, someone has said. Open it and read it. Suppose you had a stack of love letters from your sweetheart and never opened them. <laughs> That'd be silly, wouldn't it? God is our sweetheart. He loves us and wants us to love him in return. It's the owner's manual. 
I like Psalm 119, verse 18, which I think you'll see on the screen here. And uh, let me just read it to you. Uh, Psalm 119, verse 18. 119 is a great, long, longest chapter in the Bible. Open my eyes. This is a prayer. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things out of your law. And so ought we to do the same thing. We can then go on to compare various portions of Scripture with other portions that we're reading. Cross-reference. A lot of you have study Bibles, and they give you other verses in the Bible that will refer to the topic that you're reading. Take advantage of those and, and get a broader scope of... Uh, uh, of the meaning of what you're reading. The next thing we can do is contextualize it. Something said, you see this on the internet, the politicians pick out a little phrase or sentence that somebody said and try to smear them with a misinterpretation of what they said because they took it out of context. And so it is with us. If we want to know the Bible, look at it in its context, that within the whole scope of Scripture or the book that you're reading and uh, compare it and contrast it. Is, is what you're reading speaking figuratively or literally or po poetically? It all can make a difference. Jesus used exaggeration. Remember the verse of Matthew 18, 9? He says, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire. Now, he didn't mean go out and take out your eye. That's foolish. Because the problem is in our minds not in our eye. It's what we let our eyes look at that gets our mind and our heart into trouble. So what he was saying is an exaggeration that was all it was doing was teaching the seriousness of sin and our need to be zealous to deal with it in our lives. Research it. What does it say? What does it mean? What did it mean to the hearers? What does it mean today? For instance, John 3, 7, uh, 7, uh, 7 Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. <gasps> What do you mean, Jesus? How is that possible? Well, that's, he said he's using a figurative language to teach the spiritual truth. Uh, here's something else we can do. How have others understood the scriptures? Consult commentaries, Bible dictionaries, atlases, and, and some of these things are found online as well. Then ask, how do I apply what I'm reading today? There are a lot of Bible study aids that you can use on a daily basis, or even your Sunday school book may do this, that you'll say, get to the end of Daniel, chapters 12 or whatever we're in, how does this apply to me? Whereas you're reading your own topics, you can do that. How does it apply to me? Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, we read, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, your own wisdom, but in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. So look to God to show us how to apply scriptures. The next thing we can do is discuss it. That's why Sunday school classes have always been a helpful thing to everybody, if, if it's done well, of course. Uh, I've known Sunday school classes, all they did was chit-chat. Chit -chat. <laughs> I went to church last Sunday and, as a guest speaker, and they never opened the Bible. They never talked about the Bible, they just chit-chatted. But it's, they didn't do that this morning in the class I was in. It was strictly based on the Bible. Sometimes small study groups are really wonderful for this. Memorize the Bible. If God wants us to, to know it and to live it, we are to memorize it. Psalm 119.11, the writer there says, Your word I have hidden in my heart. Why? That I may not sin against you. And memorization will give us guidance. It will help us with our finances, with our relationships with other people, 
with our business decisions, how we handle our children or grandchildren, and how we conduct ourselves in the church. You know, all of this is there. If we memorize certain portions, they will be there ready to be called to mind by the Holy Spirit that we may apply it in, in those times. Another thing is be willing to pay the price of faith and obedience. We didn't read about it, but the city that they went to before they got to this one, they stoned them, left them for dead. Paul was willing to pay the price, and, and worse happened to him in other places. Be willing to pay the price of our faith and obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. In Luke 9, 23, Jesus said, If anyone desires to come after me, let him take up his cross and follow me. And that may include some cost to it as well. Another thing we can do with Scripture, and that is defend it. When we run across and hear examples of those who would misinterpret it, misapply it, use it to deceive us in some way, uh, or, or who is casting doubt, rejecting it, confusing it, or opposing it, or, or whatever, or even in attempts to ban it in public, we need to defend the Scriptures by knowing the truth and saying and standing up for it. That again was mentioned in Sunday school class, that, that we need to stand up and say, this is the truth, I live by it, regardless of what the world around me would say. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 11.3. He said, they had all kinds of problems in that church. That letter was full of it. He said, but I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Paul was trying to get them grounded, not be led astray by those who would have false ideas about it. Let us all be quick to read and hear the word of God so that we too will be well grounded and may grow thereby and be well prepared for service to the master in the world in which we live. If we do, we won't be easily deceived or discouraged from following the words and truths of God as found in the Bible. Instead, we'll be like a, light, like, like a lighthouse in guiding others to God of all truth. There's a song in our hymnals, Open My Eyes That I May See. Here's one verse, the first. Open my eyes that I may see glimpses of truth you have for me. Place in my hands the wonderful key that shall unlock and set me free. Silent now I wait for you. So there's scripture and now this prayer. Silent now I wait for you. Ready, my God, your will to do. Open my eyes, illumine me. Spirit divine. Let's close in prayer. Father, perhaps this message was not needed, but who knows? Maybe some of us needed it in a special way, just for today. And this was to, for, our, for our blessings, for our chasing, or whatever it may be. Help us, though, Lord, in the days to come to devote ourselves to searching your word, the Holy Bible, that we might be all that you want us to be, all that you want us to do, and that we may be like a lighthouse leading others to you. May that be our commitment today. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll stand together as we sing, and perhaps today you would like to speak.